Good evening. You know what? I know that I haven't been pushing the dice because they changed their name. Metallic Dice Games is no longer Metallic Dice Games. It's now Fan Roll. Uh, you can still get 10% off by using the code SMSDICE10. <clears throat> Go there. 10% off of any of your orders with the code SMSDICE10. But go to fanroll.com. No longer metallicdice.com. So we're still doing it. We're still we're still doing our sponsor there. Um, great bunch of stuff they're putting out. Boom. I like these really nice dice. Really nice dice. Except for, yet again, I've... Yeah. Love that. So, remember, it's now no longer Metallic Dice Games. It is now Fan Roll. So, SMS, D-I-C-E, 10. Get 10% off your purchase. And now, get ready for the show. Hello, welcome to today's episode of the Group Therapy Podcast. Today we have a friend, somebody I've known for a bunch of years now, uh, God, over 20 years probably, uh, another comic book artist, uh, I want to say probably the best, uh, almost photorealistic artist I know, Dave Akins. <laughs> Dave, tell us about yourself. <laughs> well, uh, I supposedly am one of the best uh, photo artists you know, whatever that means. But, uh, but you know, I'll take it. Uh, no, uh, uh, my name is, in fact, Dave Akins, and uh, I'm an illustrator, cartoonist, wh whatever you want to call me, uh, here in Ohio. And uh, my specialty, what people tend to know me for, what tends to keep me the busiest, uh, is working on uh, what we call licensed characters. Uh, past 20, 21 years, I've been working a lot with Nickelodeon. So uh, I do a lot of publishing work for them. Things like SpongeBob, uh, Dora, Jeez, uh, Ball Patrol, Blues Clues. All that stuff. So I've done about uh, 200 or so children's books uh, over the past 20 years and video game covers, DVD covers, all that kind of stuff. I also do a lot of product design work for the uh, Bradford Exchange and their companies, the Hamilton Collection, uh, Hawthorne Village, all that stuff. So I draw a lot of designs for uh, statues and collectibles and things like that. And then, uh, yeah, in between, uh, occasionally I do commissions for people, and that's where the, uh, the well, what do you got? Uh, collect them in some books, but that's where the, uh, yeah, yeah, technique studies of photographs comes in. And, and that's, uh, and then I also, uh, for over 20 years, have been uh, Twilight Creations, which is a board game company. I've been their main artist for uh, games like Zombies 
and uh, whatever other games that aren't zombies that they do. I it's it's been it's been a long time. I forget these things. Yeah, they, so yeah, yeah. <clears throat> well, you know, I, I've known you. Good night, everyone. Yeah, good night. That's the end. Thank you very much for coming by. <laughs> like I said, I've known you for for a bunch of years now. And I think, I don't know if we met in Columbus or if we met um, in um, Motor City or something. At years well, ago. I, started, I started doing shows. Uh, the, the, I grew up uh, reading comics and I grew up going to comic conventions. So the moment that I started to do anything, even adjacent to comics, and I really don't do uh, uh, work for comic book companies, um, just very minor, a little bit with Moonstone, uh, occasional covers for them. And I've like penciled in my life, probably two, 10, 12 page stories. I really don't do that uh, yet. Maybe, maybe in the future. But uh, I had started to do some gaming, collectible card game work uh, with a company in Cincinnati. And and I figured, eh, eh, what the hell? I'll start setting up at shows, and uh, that was the beginning with with like Mid Ohio, and then uh, once the Zombies game kicked in, I thought that was kind of cool. So I, I set up you know Motor City, and and uh, and then very quickly, I would say probably about two thousand. To 2003, the Dora and the, and the licensing book started to come out. So that started that. But I think I started with shows around 2000. So, yeah, I mean, we, we would have met anywhere in those early years yeah. of Mid-Ohio and, and Motor City Con. Um, my family, I'm originally from outside of Detroit. So I was, you know, Motor City was one show that uh, I was more than happy to uh, look into setting up with. And then I always do shows with Andy Bennett. Andy had already... Uh, done some Motor City shows and Mid-Ohio shows because he was working with Caliber uh, Comics, which is outside of Detroit. And so, uh, you know, it was it was very quick to be like, eh, I'll join you. And, you know, and that and it really right off the bat, it was like, I'm sitting next to you, buddy. <laughs> and that and that started uh, and that started getting out and, and doing conventions and uh, and meeting people and uh really it, it, which is the only way i i'm a shut-in uh i i don't meet i don't work with anybody I don't don't have co-workers so without doing shows uh the the chances of me meeting anybody is which is probably better <laughs> but uh yeah it's it's weird i mean because you know you're right like talking to your kid and 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 seeing kids at, at shows now and they're uh they're old they're all the young adults oh, yeah. they're all now getting to be in their 20s and uh it's it's uh yeah yeah we're old oh, oh my back well, but i know you know and i just hit the i, I just kind of hit me as i approach 50 that i thought you know we look at the past 20 years and go Hey, you know, if you do that again, you'll be 70. <laughs> You're like, oh no. Don't don't make it go by so quickly. Was it somebody pointed out to me now that it's closer to 2050 than 1980? And I'm like, the hell, man, thanks. <laughs> well, time time is as has, has lost all meaning, uh, combined to just being at our age, combined with the, the COVID. But 
the the change in things in technology and in, in, in a in a certain slowdown. Um, you know, if you just look at 1980 to 2000, especially in my industry mm -hmm. uh, with 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 commercial art, if you look what happened in those 20 years, where just so much changed and just things just went, you know, just crazy in those 20 years. And then you look at the past 20 years, it's, uh, I mean, I still work on computers that are getting near 20 years old. And <laughs> so, yeah, it, it's just amazing the difference between, or even, you know, like the difference between 1975 and 2000 for us is just like huge, but the difference between 2000 and, you know, getting near 2025. Yep. just yep. doesn't have that same uh, that same kick no and of course you know bands that are new are now 20 years old and <clears throat> i i they posted the other day uh it's like bands this album is now 40 years old or this band or this album is now 30 years old and you just stare at it and you're like i i saw that i went to that concert lie i've seen that <laughs> it's like yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. I, you know, old. Well, it's it's. I I like to take that and apply that to what the originators went through, and think of how quickly that um, that that people became old. You know, how quickly Chuck Berry was old, and how quickly, uh, or even even you know, making fun of. Paul McCartney in in the late '90s as being old, mm -hmm. and or the Stones, you know, and uh, and then you know go oh shoot now they're now they're really <laughs> yeah. It's just kind of funny to think of how quickly uh, things became oldies radio, you know, back in the days of AM FM, and that you know, ten years, fifteen years, and you were oldies act, and now you think well that that makes you. You know, fifteen years now makes you. As your your new band, yeah, yeah. The, the um, what was it? I was I, I almost never listen to, to regular radio, AM FM radio anymore. Um, but every once in a while, I'll like be driving somebody else's car or something, and I don't want to mess with anything, so I just turn on the radio. And I was listening to the the local uh, rock station, and it was like playing, and it's mostly classic rock, and then Motley Crue. And like Bon Jovi, and you're like, that's. And then I'm thinking about, it, I'm like, man, I was like, when I was a kid, Motley Crue is older than Led Zeppelin was when I was a kid. <laughs> yeah, yep. start to do that, and so I, and I've been lucky enough, and and I mean, I guess maybe you're the same with the with the store, and that uh, music has always been on. Mm -hmm. uh, there's, the, I do not need to be worked. To, I do not need to be worked. I don't need to work in silence. Yeah. Uh, rarely do I need to concentrate that much that I need it to be quiet. So music has is is constantly been a part of of my life uh, and working and and all that. And I prefer music to uh, movies. I don't like having movies on or podcasts. Mm -hmm. um, I used to have the TV on at night for reruns of, of syndicated sitcoms and things. And I used to be addicted to and love Letterman and Craig Ferguson. I got my <clears throat> Jeff shirt. Um, but now it's just music. And I really like uh, old Casey Kasem, American Top 40. I, I, I just absolutely adore the uh, context of uh, whatever year the Top 40 songs 
And I love it when they are bands that, especially when it gets to ones where not only have you never heard the song before, like it is vanished from time, but the band obviously has also vanished from time. So that's the, that's the, the, the twofer, you know, when the song had no legs and the band gone that's too. Right. I mean, it's, it's another thing when you get to like the third song from a band that had a big hit and then a kind of a minor hit. And then by the third one, you know, you never, you're like, they had a third one? But, but when there was, when this was it, when this was it and they got to number, you know, 33. And you just, I, I just like thinking, oh, they, they must have been so happy, you know. <laughs> coming in at number 33 <laughs> and it's just a band where you're like nope and these are all people now that are somebody's uncle and like boy in 1975 they almost made it oh yeah well uh what was it uh when i worked up in sydney uh there was a radio station up there that around uh from christmas to new year they would just play old like rick d's countdown from over the years so, or, and it was in, I think Rick Dees is the one that took over from Casey Kasem. So I think it was a continuation of that. But like, you, you'd be sitting there in the middle of the night and you'd hear like, um, this came out, the, you know, February 5th, 1983. This was the top 40, you know, for that week. And you're just like, huh, I knew five of those. <laughs> oh, I love it. I love it. And so uh, my, 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 grandparents used to live about 40 minutes away and they would never come over so we always would have to drive over to their place and uh so that's two trips of, of 40 minutes in the car or listening to radio in the 70s and um a lot of weird things pop in when you go and, and dig and you just go oh my god how how do i know this um years ago i, I have sirius xm and, and i years ago i i, I just I don't know I was mean to myself was listening to Yacht Rock just a <laughs> ton of Yacht Rock just, just awesome and it was it was I would say 80 percent was music from the 70s that I knew hadn't heard for just since the 70s and have no idea why it was why or how that I'd be like no you know baby come back or you know player or just all these bands that I'd be like what what the hell was that band Chilliwacky, whatever you know just yeah so yeah I, it's it's uh it is part of that i guess it's a nice thing uh, and of course i listen i have a huge collection of music but instead i'm, I'm listening to sirius xm and and you know old casey Kasem. <laughs> oh man but that's not why you called but that's not why you're here no but hey this is why go. Oh natural God. conversations so um, uh, so so what are you listening to now are you still listening to the the kck some top 40 stuff uh these days yeah i, I well uh i love kck some that is on uh iheart radio the problem with that is that they well they don't have commercials they have these little bumpers mm -hmm. uh little interviews with people um like elton john and you know, Santana and Daryl Hall, and they, they only have so many of them and they play them so many over and over so many times that I, I, I yell at them like, 
I have little little one-sided monologues with Elton John where, you know, he'll make a, a bad joke and I'll just, you know, that's a great one, Elton, you know, or just, oh, it's just, it's just, so I have to tone it down because it's, it's starting to mess with me. Um, my go, you know, uh, uh, Sirius XM, I listen to a lot of uh, Underground Garage because it's got the biggest mix. I like uh, music from you know, probably the fifties up into the early nineties and, and, you know, cross genre from blues, rhythm, rock, rhythm, and blues to new wave. Uh, first wave got too repetitive. I just knew the music too much. And then there are shows that people have David Johansson from uh, New York dolls has a, a weekly show uh, that's like three hours and it's just fantastic. Um, and it's all just everything from opera and Broadway to girl bands to, you know, whatever he wants to play. And there are just other people that have good, good shows that I like listening to. So, and then every now and then I'll remember that I actually buy music and <laughs> should probably listen to it. But, you know, I, I, I get, I, I like DJs. I do like voices on the radio uh, it just helps with just a little bit of isolation for some reason. Um, you know, I wish everyone was a little more like Adrian Barbeau in the fog, but they're not. Um, uh, but boy, you know, if, you know, I think even if they're a guy, just picture that they're Adrian Barbeau. And uh, well, up there, up there in the lighthouse. Well, you have Adrian Barbeau as a DJ in the fog. And then um, um, Halloween three, you have Jamie Lee Curtis is the DJ in that one. That's right. Oh, jeez, her little, her, the, the little tie-in boy. I, I'm so giddy that that movie is now viewed as being a, a gem. Because oh, three is awesome. It is, it is the ultimate. What the hell was it? What you were you people thinking? Movie ever made? And I just love Tom. Tom Atkins or whatever. Uh, I was a big, I'm a big uh, Night of the Creeps fan. Was uh, he in that? Yeah. 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 Because he's like, girls, your dates are here. Yeah. Got good news and bad news. Bad news. Your dates are here. What's the good news? Your dates are here. What's the bad news? They're dead. They're dead. <laughs> so, yeah. So, I, I, uh, I, yeah, that, that one was, a, that was always a weird, weird uh, season of The Witch, it was a weird one as a kid. And, and anything <clears throat> weird, uh was memorable you know yep. it, it couldn't just be violent in just a horror movie it, it also had to be something about it that like like i always liked night of living dead because of the end i always found the end to be really disturbing where it it just goes to the slides mm -hmm. and, and the credits and the whole you know the creepiness of that ending with no music and just ah would always get me as a kid like oof now we're it, this is off-putting meat no. hooks. Oh yeah, when they're dragging his his body and throwing it on the fire and stuff, and it's all yeah. that. It's you you hear all the stuff going on, but there's no music and everything. Yeah. And you're just like, man. Yeah. And, and 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 the, the, know the fact that 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 was never you know meant to be that whole big meaning behind it that you know because everybody's like oh I can't believe they cast a black actor as the lead. And they're like he just happened to be the best actor we could afford. <laughs> <laughs> oh, and it's great because it, it, it makes the movie timeless, you know, oh, yeah. and thank God it makes it timeless in, in that, you know, we look back at so much uh, of our popular culture, which is just very, very 
uh, you know, well, non-diverse. Yeah. And so, you, you know, you look at that movie and, and it just makes it, uh, it, it just really gives it a great uh, ability to, to just not feel as dated. Which yep. is and it's just wonderful because he was a, he did a great job uh, in that film too, mm-hmm. and the fact that nobody in that movie, for better and for worse, nobody in there went on to do anything no. that that I know of, and so uh, it makes that movie stand alone as just this absolute gem. Um, and of course, working on the zombies game, people thought that I was a horror junkie. <laughs> and, uh, Seriously, dog, I like that. Yeah. And, and, you know, they would, oh, yeah, you're horror. And I was never a big, you know, was never huge into horror movies, but I, I liked Night of the Living Dead and uh, was from Detroit. So obviously liked all the uh, Evil Dead movies and, yeah. and all that kind of stuff. But, but wasn't the Fangoria kid that a lot of friends of mine were. Yeah. You know? well, well, <laughs> oh, well. When you did any of the zombie stuff, did you ever like want to just go ahead and put some of the Night of the Living Dead people in there, but you know, you couldn't because of uh, license. <laughs> no, you know, a lot of that stuff takes effort. Uh, <laughs> and, you know, sometimes inside jokes like that take, take work and take time. And, and I'm just too lazy and too, uh, too tired to, uh, to do well, that. I just want to get, the, just want to get it done. <laughs> well, it's funny. But, you know, how, how many of the zombie ones are you? <laughs> Oh, too many. And it's, it's me because I, I do, I use photo reference and, uh, and there's not a lot of time and changing faces, uh, takes time. Yeah. And, uh, so it's, it's me and it's my buddy, Matt, that I went to college with and whoever he was married to or dating at the time. <laughs> and then maybe, maybe I sucker my wife into that or, or every now and then I'd get lucky and have, and have either friends or people, uh, you know, that, that kind of joined in. Um, but you know, and then sometimes I do my best to try to, to try to draw different and it would, uh, so yeah, it's hard, you know, these are not, uh, the, the clock's ticking and the budgets aren't huge. So you just got to do your best and, uh, get it, get it done. Oh man. Well, you know, since I've known you, you've done the really like the high, what I would call the high end photorealistic stuff. Huh? How did you get into to Nickelodeon with the kids' cartoony stuff. Uh, you know, even in art school, I was always. Uh, so where, where where are you? Are you home? Yeah. Okay. This is my uh, uh, what I call my lair. Uh, we we got a uh, um, this is my it was a finished basement, and uh, Tina just says keep your stuff down there. <laughs> fine. <laughs> No, I mean that's that was the similar with uh, similar with this house, finished basement, and uh, that's where I get to live. <laughs> that's pretty much this. I have my big TV over here. I got my broken down couch over there that I love because it's comfortable because it's all broken in. Um, I film my my interview show this way. I film my other shows. I sit the camera up and shoot this way. <laughs> it's awesome, <laughs> but. Um, Okay. All right. You were uh, you were asking me how did you get from photo re- the photorealistic artwork to the cartoony artwork? It's it's just always been something that that I've I've done, and a lot of it is uh, 
it's just mimicking things, uh, be it, you know, realism or photo, photo reference or, you know, cartoon characters. Um, no, it's just always been something that, that I've, uh, that I've done and, uh, went into art school and had por a diverse portfolio, uh, got jobs out of art school that wanted me as in-house, as an in-house artist to be diverse and do, you know, different styles and different, uh, different things. And then, uh, the, uh, Second job I got out of art school was at a illustration studio that worked for Hasbro and Milton Bradley and, you know, toy companies, board game stuff. And so uh, that's, that's specifically how I got started uh, doing licensed characters. And, and uh, that would have been, you know, I think 97. So uh, it, it's been 25 years of, uh, of licensed characters and, uh, you know, it's, yeah. it's, it's, you know, it's, it's not that, uh, it's just a lot of, uh, copying stuff really be it photo reference or cartoon characters. It's just, I, I was wondering how strict are they on the, on the, uh, artwork? Are they? Oh yeah. Oh, it's, 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 it's very meticulous. I mean, it, it, it everything's got to look the same, uh, to the point where, you know, you don't reinvent the wheel. Um, you know, there was a point most of these these things uh most of the licenses as we would call or characters uh, have style guides which are collections of of artwork that the company has already created and that artwork can either be used as clip art for for companies that don't have the money to create new art or that art uh is this just there for people like me who are you know hired to create new art can reference or cannibalize or frankenstein and and there's just no uh there's just no no reason to reinvent the wheel and uh, you know character heads are character heads and you plop one head on another body or you take something and you know it, it's just whatever's the most efficient and makes it look exactly the way that uh, it needs to look um it got to the point with dora the explorer where nickelodeon sent out you know, a couple of uh, like a file 11 by 17 of Dora heads and said, for the love of God, people just pick one of these heads. Because at that point they were the Nickelodeon blue lines. They have a stage in the, in the process called blue lining where someone who knows who that person is. Uh, sometimes it's Nickelodeon's art director. And sometimes it used to be maybe a hired person would look at all these jobs that we were doing and they would, well, especially back in the day, would put on tracing paper and redraw all the things that they thought were wrong. And, you know, 20 years ago, you would get FedEx envelope with, you know, overlays and tracing papers of, you know, all these redrawn things. And you just think, all right, buddy, you know, whatever. And nowadays it's just little, you know, you get your file, Photoshop file back with maybe little corrections here or there. And they're usually like, yeah, it's great. Yeah, that looks better, whatever. You know, <laughs> whatever makes you happy. But the, the humor was that they got so tired of having the blue line Dora heads that they sent out this file that said, you know, just use these heads. And so, yeah, you would, you'd just be like, that one, that one, that one, that one. And then the blue lines would come back and it would be like, you know, his head is wrong. And you'd just be like, Oh God, you're just making the pain is here. 
You gave me heads to use and I used them. But that that's, I mean, that used to be, back in the day, that used to be kind of what things were like. You know, you do a, a book and they'd say, you know, oh, your bodies are too small, You're, you know, enlarge your bodies. And then, you know, you do a, another one. They say, your, your heads are too small. You know, <laughs> you'd be like, you guys are killing me. These days, I mean, mostly these days, that, that stage is fine. But everything is, yeah, everything's very meticulous. It's very... Uh, it has to be perfect. It has to be the same. And, and like I said, the easiest, a lot of times the easiest way to do that is to be able to look at a pre-existing image that's approved already and see the potential in it, you know, and, and then, and then maybe look at three different poses and see, or two and, and see, okay, well that I can, and you either placeholder or, you know, or reuse. Um, and, and if it's a placeholder, it's there to just help you get something in there that uh, gives you the proportions so that you're just not going from nothing. Um, but a lot of that these days is different in the sense that a lot of the shows, you know, a lot of the books I do are adaptations of, of shows. And a lot of the shows are CGI and the books we do are kind of flat almost. And in some cases look like cell animation um, when, the, when the shows are CGI. And so, you know, it's not really like you can just take the show and screenshot and, you know, trace and be done, sadly. Um, so it's, a, it's kind of, you know, you look at the show for a little bit of inspiration on, on, on characters and poses and, you know, to match the scenes, and then you combine it with uh, with with style guide and, and things like that. And then you also try to make things as efficient as possible because things are more as the years go on, the things get more and more complex. Paw Patrol is a perfect example of it. They there's you know seven dogs, and they all have these complex costumes, and you'll get these you know, pages and another page where all seven dogs are blah, blah, blah. And you're just like, oh, geez, you're killing me. See, Vince, um, he, he's been hooked on the Nickelodeon stuff since he's real little. He has autism, so he's still stuck on some of it. And um, it's funny because I've seen my kids grew up, with, my older boys grew up with Blue's Clues. Now he watched Blue's Clues. And uh, I had to ask this one, since they changed the way uh, Blue looks on the show, now if you draw, does it go to the old school, the early 2000s Blue, or do you have to try to redraw the new book that they're oh, yeah. doing now? So, well, the, the humor of that is, so uh, obviously old Blue is off, is what we call off model. Mm -hmm. Old Blue is, that's, that's all useless. And which is actually, I see, I'm, I'm not, uh, nobody... And my, my kid was too young or wasn't born yet for Blue's Clues. So I uh, really, Blue's Clues was not a, a big thing. It really knew very little about Blue's Clues. Um, I find old Blue's Clues to be kind of terrifying looking. Uh, I love the new Blue's Clues. I love the design of everything. The art that I do for, for the new Blue's Clues is like anti-Paw Patrol. It, it is absolute, just lovely. Everything is kind of flat and the designs are very simple you know it's just it's just lovely little kind of simple flat you know pretty pretty art and uh 
and it goes by nice and easy and it's all just fine. And the show I think is lovely. The cover is a matter of trying to do kind of CGI, pretty, pretty renderings and things like that. And then he's always a photograph. So, you know, <laughs> you know, maybe, maybe I can cut an arm off and take a different arm, but for the most part, you know, it's shoehorn in a photograph when needed. Yeah. Um, but occasionally, um, the, the old hosts show up in the new books and then you go back to the art style, uh, when, you know, when, when, what, Steve or whatever the original Steve guy, and, uh, Joe. <laughs> you know when they were when they were cartoon characters in the old books. Yep. You know, that, then I'm going back to those and and bringing that art back in. So you know nobody redesigned them for better or for worse. <laughs> <laughs> and so that's that's really the only time in that series where it dips into the old art because. Mm -hmm. uh, but you know, um, with something like Dora. Uh, she got redesigned, I don't know, um, at least three times in the, in, the, in, the, in the 10, 15 years of working on Dora. And, and not necessarily <clears throat> the show, but in the style guide art, it, it kept getting redesigned and, and modified uh, in certain styles of, and techniques and stuff, um, which then, you know, <laughs> makes you go back and go well that artwork is useless and you know don't 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 source that anymore spongebob um spongebob is 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 stayed pretty close to the same uh, a lot of the old style guide art is just a little rough and then uh years a couple of years ago they they threw me a, a curve ball and that they wanted the line work to be all colored and some extra shading you know after a book was done they're like oh yeah by the way <laughs> Go back and add some. Um, so he's changed just a touch, but uh, but for the most part, it's uh, you know. And those SpongeBob and Dora are great. I think Dora's coming back next year. Uh, I haven't gotten any work or haven't seen designs or style guide work or anything yet, but I think she's coming back. SpongeBob uh, that we tried. Uh, they tried doing Camp Coral, the uh, the show where he's younger at that camp. Did a little bit of uh, of that. That was one of the books. Uh, it's coming out in January was a Camp Coral SpongeBob book where he's a little younger. That's fun. Yeah. Again, I, you know, <clears throat> it's it's uh, anything where every page doesn't say all seven dogs. <laughs> uh, that was something that I dealt with. I, I thought uh, 15 plus years ago, I thought it would be fun to do Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles because I was doing a lot of Dora and a lot of, you know, kind of little kids or even young girls. And this was a little bit more boy action just to give a different sample, different stuff, a portfolio sample. And then I would get the scripts to turtles and, you know, the Dora scripts would be like Dora and the boots, Dora and boots are in the park with swiper. You're like Dora boots, swiper park. Okay. <laughs> and you get a turtles manuscript. It'd be like all four turtles are fighting seven foot soldiers and just be like, why did I think this was a good idea? Because well, that you, takes time. <laughs> what? Well, it's funny because you know you talk about the the spend all that time on air. You got to spend a ton of time on that, like that Captain America on the cover that you did. You know, I mean, 
it, that kind of stuff goes back to, I, I did a live figure drawing from, from live models. I started doing that, uh, naked people. Ooh. <laughs> uh, I, I started doing that. Uh, I think I was 15. I think it was a sophomore in high school that, uh, I had been taking a port like a high school portfolio class at a, at a place, uh, in suburban Detroit that was an art store and it had classes. And after the portfolio class, there was a figure drawing, adult figure drawing class. And my dad was a car designer for Ford and we knew the owner of this place for, for ages since we were little. And he said, you know, I think your son's, you know, mature enough and good enough to do the adult class. And so there was nothing weird about it for my dad. I mean, he never used to, his joke was that the only time that the car designers would go to figure drawing class at art center, uh, was when they had the, uh, first, uh, black playmate pose was, was, was a model. And, uh, and, and everybody, you know, obviously all the guys, <laughs> all the guys went to that class. Oh yeah. <laughs> the car design, car designers did not like drawing humans. <laughs> just, they just, and my dad would say, you know, it got to the point he would draw Batmobile and we'd be like, no dad, we'll, we'll draw Batman. It's okay. <laughs> so. That's funny. That's something I didn't know about you. And, um, my mother-in-law is uh, from the Detroit area. Her mom was a car designer for Chrysler. Cool. Back in the day, um, she, one of the literally one of the last things she worked on, I think, was the uh, um, uh, the Viper and the um, I think the Prowler. Wow. And she was Neat. retired by then. <laughs> And I, we just happened to be there at the at the cabin up in Michigan, and uh, the, we were we were coming into the the cabin as these people were leaving. They were Chrysler's lawyers there to have her sign off on some paperwork on a car she designed twenty years before she got to that point. Yeah, it's it's crazy. Yeah, my dad's uh, my dad's kind of he ended being kind of head of of uh, truck design. Uh, at the at the dawn of the SUV, back when gas was was a dollar, and uh, everybody was in love with these gigantic monster SUVs that were the new the new thing. That that was Dad's. He he uh, he uh, he did the Costanza uh, George Costanza end on on a high note. You know, he, he they, they, everybody loved the new these new SUVs, and Dad was like, "Good night, everyone. I'm out of here." Good night, Cleveland. We're out of yeah. here. Yes, <laughs> he, he saw a lot of his co, a lot of his peers and his and his buddies getting getting elbowed out, you know, mm -hmm. and and he was like, ugh, and then uh, they loved him, but he was still like, yeah, you know what? He's seen it coming. Yeah, I'm gonna, I'm, I'm, I'm heading out on top. And he thought maybe he'd stick around a little here and there, but but they really, uh, for the most part, yeah, they they were much like, okay, Bob. Well, we're so sorry to see you go, but you know. See you later. And then he started doing uh, aviation painting. He picked up oil paints, and now he paints airplanes and things. But you know, he uh, he, he he retired in his uh, you know, geez, mid fifties. Which I just look at that and I'm like, you know, that's my my hero. So I'm just <laughs> like, all right, fifties on its way. I'm TikTok Clarice. There, let's, let's wrap this up as soon as possible so I can go have fun. Um, <laughs> But you know, so so the figure drawing classes uh, taught me uh, seven years of a kind of Zen 
uh, just look and translate into on, onto paper. You know, just this focus and see and translate and see and translate. And uh, so those, those marker drawings, which I do these nine by 12, uh, they're in Copic markers and Prismacolor pencils, just, just grayscale. And, uh, and they, don't, they don't really take that, that much time, you know, um, because the reference is, it's just cop, it's just translating, you know, a technique study on a photograph, uh, from a photograph. It's not, it's not reinventing the wheel. There's a goal, make it look like that. And then after you're done with the main work, uh, then it's, it's leaving, setting it aside, uh, coming back, looking at it fresh, nitpicking, uh, then scanning it in, you see it's small, and then you see things that are wrong, and then you fix it here at the computer, scanning it again, and, and then, you know, it's another 15 minutes of just obsessing and, and driving yourself nuts. Um, because then, you know, you know, at a certain point, you're done, and you're just, you know, saying goodbye, ah, it's, it's done, and then, you know, a little OCD kicks in, and, yeah, but, um, but they're just meant to be quick uh, sketches, nothing, um, you know, they're meant for people to own a little original art, have something tangible. They're not digital. They're not AI, you know. Um, so, yeah, yeah. And they're just little kind of things I'd like to do to fill fill in the gaps from the uh, publishing jobs, which is kind of fun. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Eventually, I need to get off my ass and do something more than just these nine by two. I mean, at a certain point, you're like, it's another head drawing. Look at that, ma. It's another one. Hey, what's next? Another portrait, you know? <laughs> Do a movie poster. Do a well, and that's what I was just going to say. Yeah, sadly, <laughs> sadly, uh, we all wanted to be a movie poster artist, you know? And it, and it just, that whole industry just went, <laughs> and, uh, and it just, is, it, that, that's just one of those industries that just was like, oh, Yeah, there, there's no really cool movie posters. Uh, it is. It's just like getting there right before, right as the store closes. You know, you're like, "Hey, we made it!" Oh, yeah, now they, it's it's all just photos that they just you know put in a computer and put them where they need to go. I mean, even though I have God, I have Godzilla King of the Monsters over there, and I wish I had an old school Godzilla poster, but I do like it because it's Godzilla. But um, I mean, almost all the rest of my posters that are around here are you know art. So, you know. yeah, and you know, I, it, it's cool that there's a, a kind of a fan movement of um, silkscreen posters, um, but I don't really know the the logistics of of the financial side of of those. All of these kind of, uh, be it Mondo or you know, eight. There's eight because I think there's a, a one place in Columbus here that you know, Mad Duck or something that does them. Um, and I love silkscreen prints. I love, I think that's a, it's a neat art form of, of, uh, you know, the, the, the colors are beautiful. The inks and the paints are gorgeous. Um, but I've never, I, that's kind of, again, that's, that's on the list of things to hopefully, you know, try and do as, uh, the need to, uh, book as many, you know, cartoon character job, you know, as possible kind of dwindles yeah, maybe 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 i can get the kid to go to a trade school i don't know you know <laughs> really need to go to college can't you be a plumber plumbers are awesome i need a plumber you know don't need a 
theoretical physicist, but I could use a plumber. <laughs> my, 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 my oldest went in the Navy. He's doing a little bit of school schooling now. Very cool. My, my, my middle two boys are, um, one's in home health care. The other one works for me. Uh, <laughs> so, so he's, he got in through nepotism. Um, and then Vince is Vince and he's 12 and he's running around upstairs playing video games. So um, anybody that does anything that, uh, I mean, I, I sit in my butt and draw cartoon dogs. So yeah, it's, it's not hard for me to be impressed when people go out into the world and actually do things that, uh, you know, actually make some, some difference to, to things. I mean, Oh, yeah. so I, I do. I do ask you for because you remind me of this one. Um, when you do the the Nickelodeon stuff, did they give you like? Hopefully, they give you like three books at a time or something like that. So you're just not drawing Paw Patrol straight for like a month. I'd hope they'd do that, but man, I don't know. <laughs> you know, I, the the hardest thing about the work is is the scheduling and booking the work. Um, it, it's it's like spinning plates. You know, and just you, you, the all the most of these books have three stages. They have uh, the rough drawings, then the, the you get you wait. Those go out. If it's Nick, you've got rough drawings. Those go out for two weeks. Then you do the tight drawings. You get your notes back. You do the trite drawings. Send those out. Those go out for another two weeks. You get your blue lines and you get your notes. And then it's and it's off to final color land. Um, Usually, while the tights are being blue lined or reviewed, I can, if I if I have the time, I can start working on backgrounds, maybe props, okay. because those are things that nobody tends to say. You know, oh, that that's wrong. They obsess usually obsess over the main characters, um, and so uh, you know, I I I prefer to have three to four different licenses going on at a time. And a lot of that is because at any given moment, uh, one to two to all of them could could just fail miserably and just wrap up. And the more that I kind of am involved in, the less likely it is for everything to come crashing down and leave me, you know, uh, on a on an unplanned vacation, um, which happens. And when it does, it's it's the it's just freelance i mean it's just part of the, the the thing and it's you just you know every your world comes crashing down on you i mean it's like if if somehow somebody said to you you, you the, the store is closing for for three weeks you know starting tomorrow you're done you know and you just be like oh oh i didn't didn't know that <laughs> maybe if if you had told me i i you know maybe tell the family we'd go on a vacation or I'd, I'd figure out something else, you know, but, okay. uh, but that's freelancing, man. And that's, and that's the nature of being connected to uh, shows. And if the shows, if the toys don't sell well and the show, you know, doesn't do well and it just wraps up, I, I got very spoiled by Dora and SpongeBob, you know, it gave me a false sense. Like it was always Dora. And then, uh, yeah, I think around 2007, I started SpongeBob and he, he, you know, was always around. And then there were maybe a third and a fourth that would, you know, they'd come in for a year or two and then they'd fail. And then a new, new ones would come in. And, uh, this year has been the first year where everything just failed. And it was the first year where it, it just in, in a long time where, where it was just like, 
nothing. <laughs> do we do we have anything? Nothing. Do, do we have any callers? Are there any callers on the line? No, no callers at all. Okay. How about now? Is there a caller on the line now? No. Um, and 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 I. Uh, I, I, you know, it was my son, it was a vacation, it, you know, it was like spring break. And I was just like, you know what? To hell with it, man. I'm just going to write it. I'm just going to write it and I'm going to see if, how I do, see if I can tolerate the anxiety of, uh, of every, of failure. <laughs> and, uh, and then of course, uh, uh, I, I, my insurance salesman, you know, was talking to homeowner car insurance and he's like, I had a friend of mine selling a comic collection. And that's how, you know, you start seeing me at some of these uh, little yep. comic shows. And I was like, you know what? Because I'm a big collector. And uh, my son kind of refers to it. When, when all else fails, uh, my, my backup job, and what I actually kind of like is selling the basement. It's, it's just looking around and going, why do I have that? What's that worth? Get that out of here. <laughs> Uh, but I, 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 I never stopped collecting. Uh, I never got rid of, I'd say maybe 90% of my toys, maybe, maybe 75%. I mean, there were a couple of times that moms, you know, maybe some garage sales or yeah. you know, like, you know, I remember some Clash of the Titans toys somehow got, got thrown out or sold and some, more obscure kind of Dungeons and Dragons ish stuff, which you know nowadays you're like, yeah. Uh, but for the most part, uh, most of my childhood obsession of, of of toy buying is is just sitting that way, you know, or in or in tubs, and and then I never stopped. You know, I went through high school and kept buying toys, and I went through college, and and I I was not a big uh, drinker. So, so all these figures are like beers that I never bought. That's what I tell people. It's like that. That's a beer. That's a beer. That's a beer. You know, the DC, you know, the past 20, 30 years of, of toys, they're just, they're all just beers. I never, never drank. And uh, so you get to a certain point though, where, or at least I do, I did where, you know, you just go, yeah, I can't. I can't keep. Uh, I, I, I don't have any. Where is this going? <laughs> what, what, what am I doing here with this accumulation? Um, so yeah, so it, it kind of turns to okay. Let's let's see what we can part with stuff. Uh, and that's how I was. I was doing. I was going to get rid of comics and some more stuff. Doing some shows with uh, uh, my friends that you know, Bill and Jesse, and. Yeah. Uh, and then a, a, co a whole collection fell into my place. And, you know, I was like, well, I guess I got time this summer to bag and board and process. And now I'm sitting around with all these dang long boxes of books and, you know, books are out to getting pressed and graded. And I'm, I'm falling prey to that whole disease of, is it a nine, six? Is it a nine, eight? Oh, it better be a nine, eight. It's a nine, two, you know? Yeah. You know, I'm going to be like a come, you know, I, later this year, I'll, I'll be going, what have I done? I rolled the dice and I lost. I, I did a while back, right, right, right before the pan, what, right after the pandemic, I bought a bunch, I bought a collection, got some good stuff in it, 
that's the worst part about during the pandemic when everybody else was supposed to be shut down. I was technically closed. I was just selling <laughs> stuff like you online. Uh, you talk about that, telling people that, oh, you're on vacation now. That's what happened. We're sitting there and it's like, oh, yeah, Monday at midnight, work stops. So Monday I went into work, worked my butt off, sold a bunch of stuff. And then I was like, now what do I do? Uh, so then I just was in there selling stuff online. Um, well, you know, in the drop-offs, did you do drop-offs to people in local? People? I did. I did. Um, I did curbside for a while and then they, they took that away from me. And then I was, I did drop-offs. I'd, I'd go meet people at Kroger parking lot and drop off their comic books or their magic cards or. See, I, <laughs> I mean, that was just bizarre for, for all of us, uh, mm -hmm. our, our shut-in artists. It, it was, um. It's been a just a bizarre, at least for me, it's been a, a weird three years. Three years? Yeah. Yeah. 2020, 23 years. Because uh, the effects of it all uh, have lasted three years. And and the the the, the original, the 2020 effect was um, nothing, except that the world was going to hell, but I still had deadlines. Nothing changed. In fact, I took on I took on more work uh, because of of not of of wanting to be you know busy. Mm -hmm. uh, so it wasn't like there was nothing else to do. Yep. And so I worked so much from 2020 and 2021 that I damaged my 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 shoulder. I hurt myself. And and that's how that's how much of work was there. And then what started happening last year is the supply chain started to fall apart with China. And so a lot of the work that I did last year uh, got postponed to like this year, uh, to being released this year. So my fall apart took until this year for everything to, to fall apart. And a lot of that was because of supply chain problems. Uh, clients, uh, be it Twilight Creations, but zombies, uh, they couldn't get their Kickstarter new release done because it was being produced in China. Uh, China shut down. China then said, if you want it, it's sitting in the ocean and it's going to cost you a ton of money, you know, and or if you want us to start making it, it's going to cost you a ton of money. And if it's a Kickstarter project, you're like, you know, people have locked it in. Um, books. I mean, I was showing the uh, that SpongeBob book. That that was a this this comes out in early January. This was finished twenty twenty one, I think, and it got bumped a year, uh, which which fills a slot in twenty twenty three, which means that that's one less slot for a book for me to do. You know, so it's a lot of that like. You know, things things fall apart, and then and then it leads to me sitting around doing nothing in 2022, not 2020, like when everybody else was sitting around doing doing. You know, so it's been a weird. So yeah, the the past three years have just been bizarre for for me, yeah. uh, which is kind of cool. I mean, in, in a sense, uh, it's, that's one way to cool is one word for it because uh, you know <laughs> it sh shakes things up a little bit, I guess. But, uh, you know, I look at it this way. I got, because of the pandemic, I'd been going to the gym and stuff, but during the pandemic, I actually got to where I was eating healthy 
and different changing everything else up. And so while everybody else, I had friends that were gaining weight, I had lost like 30 pounds. <laughs> that's lucky. No, I gained and <clears throat> that's my COVID cough. That's my galaxy COVID. Finally got COVID from a convention, did seven conventions this year. And uh, the last one in, in Columbus, hometown one, decided to make me sick, which thankfully was just a uh, head cold con crud. But uh, it does make you, uh, I had gotten COVID uh, or, or what was probably COVID in early 2020 from a convention in February. And, and it, you know, two weeks of kind of feeling crap, you're like, dude, that was not worth it, you know? The only reason it was worth it was because I actually got to see people and see my, my, my parents in February before they said, don't ever see anybody. It was like, oh, yeah, uh, whatever. But, uh, yeah, conventions, man. Oof. They're weird. Oh, my God. Well, I remember, I remember right before the pandemic hit, uh, I stopped shaking hands at conventions. So, like, you know, people would want to do a deal. You know, I would always just fist bump. Because I, I didn't, because every time I'd go to a con, I'd get sicker in hell the next day. So I just got to the point where I'm just like, hey, man, no, no thanks. But, you know, I don't want to get sick, you know, whatever. And I kept telling everybody, I was like, what was it? I was like, 2019 is the last year I will hand, shake hands with anybody. <laughs> <laughs> and then COVID hit. And now it's like, now everybody's like, I'm like, see, that's why I. But that's why fist bump. It. Yeah, I mean, you know, if if it's gonna get you, it's gonna get you, and yep. you just have to um, you have to go in and decide: are, are you gonna? How much are you really gonna care? Um, because you know, are, are you gonna wear a mask or not? You know, uh, how much are you really gonna worry about it? Um, because it does kind of impede a certain amount of of enjoyment. I think. Of, of conventions um for me so you know i think really i've just been looking at shows more this year and finally going you know other than shows that are, are ones i go to every year or have a guest at it's just uh they're just not worth the time uh unfortunately and uh and then if you get sick on top of it mm -hmm. then it's really like oh man you know if it was worth the time then you'd be like ah you know oh well but but when it wasn't worth the time to begin with, you're like, uh, that's just that's just poking, sticking the knife in even further. That's that's so. kind of where I'm at now. I, I do essentially the Jim and Dan shows, and then I have my own, and those are the only ones I do because one is, is I remember when I was you know years ago when you know you you had bills at the shop, so you had to make sure you did a show every you know whenever you could. Those days are long behind me now, so I don't have to do shows anymore. I do them for, you know, yeah, you know what? We're going to clear some stuff out of the back. So yeah. let's go do, do a show. And uh, then I end up buying at them, or I, and then I end up talking to everybody that I haven't seen in a month yeah. or so. And, and there's uh, a social aspect to it, which is yes. why uh, for me, uh, you know, there's, there's, I'm always in Detroit for Motor City, I'm always in Cincinnati for the expo. Uh, I'm usually always in Dayton for Gem City, and then we like to go down to Heroes Con because it's 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 such a a cool show. Yeah. Um, after that, you know, we've done shows. Andy Bennett and I have done shows over the decades, but but that's kind of what's left. And those fill a they scratch an itch. They're also good shows, mm -hmm. but they scratch an itch where you're not 
expecting where you just don't care. You know, mm-hmm. you've resigned yourself that it, it's not going to be a bad show. The only way it would be a bad show is if something actually bad happened. Uh, you're going to see people, you're out of the house, you're hanging with your friends. Uh, it, it, you know, the ex- expectations are just, there aren't any. Yeah. Uh, because that's, you know, maybe four weekends. Now, Heroes is different. Heroes is, is a work show. Um, and, and if you can't make it be a work show, um, then, you know, you just don't do it. But the other ones are all just get away for, for a weekend social fun. And then, you know, we're still working, but, but the expe- it's just different. But then when you get away from it, you know, I just kind of realized this year that from, uh, from doing uh, vendor shows and being or where you're, you know, a retailer or a dealer, um, artists are just, are just not used to thinking of our time that way. Uh, you know, we, we don't make a living uh, being open mm-hmm. for however many, and, and the sales could be zero or could be awesome. And you look at uh, a, a year's worth, you know, and go, okay, it was a good year. It was a bad year. You know, we, we work in the sense of uh, you, 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 you put a coin in the monkey, the monkey dances. And, and so conventions are not like that. You know, conventions are, are much more like a retail or uh, scenario where you've, you've committed to three or four or three days and you don't know. Nope. You don't know. It could, it could be awesome. It could be horrible. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so that, that's, it's a, it, that's a really a full, weird, weird thing for us. And so, you know, I've kind of realized that. You go, yeah. Yeah, I don't like that. Like if I'm if I'm gonna do that, I'll I'll do the one day shows like the Jim and Dan and not as an artist. Yeah. You know, I'll do it as a retail, as a as a dealer. Yep. And I love it. I love it. I love it. It's it's just great because because I'm not there necessarily uh with my crown jewels uh awaiting for uh the one person who is going to pay the premium price. Mm-hmm. For you know my collection of Fabergé eggs, you know I, I'm a little bit more there. Like, eh, what do you want to pay? <laughs> like, like I mean, there's a certain sense where you're not going to just give stuff away if you know that it's worth it. Yeah. But, there, but, but then there's there's things where you're just waiting for someone to to actually like be that person that even even wants to have that thing in their house. You know, like you looked at it. Oh, you looked at it. I thought for sure this that that last show that uh, I was going to fill in some spots with some warlord out of those boxes. <laughs> yeah, you know, and I tell you, I got the whole set, but I ain't breaking it up, baby. So you got to have to go all in for the whole set. Yeah, I ain't starting all over again. Th- that's part of the fun, though. I'm not gonna lie. I've been, I'm, I'm down to one issue of Arak. Like, I, think I had all of those. I had all of those. I got rid of those early. Well, you know, the worst part about it is the issue I'm missing um, was is an issue that Mark was missing, and uh, he was missing another book. And I got them in a you know before I put mine together. Um, I gave them to Mark for Christmas one year, and then those are two books now I don't have personally because I decided, you know, I I need to you know, and I I uh, 
half price books up the road for me uh, had some had some long boxes outside for dollar books and they actually had some you know some books that that I had wanted that that I needed to fill some gaps and that was just bizarre because there were things that you're like it's just not worth shipping you know it's not worth going on eBay yep and yep. and you know it's a, it's a two dollar book at best and I'm not going to spend eight dollars on it yeah, shipping you know you might get it for a dollar they're got they're going to charge you eight bucks to ship it yeah. So. And I understand. I I sure as hell don't don't put anything on eBay that's under thirty bucks unless it's super easy to ship out because just the the time it takes to list and and you know pack and ship and even lift a finger, you know, is like it's, I don't I just you know people putting on five dollar two dollar items. You're like, what's your what's your hourly rate? You know, or do you have like a do you have like an intern helping you out? I <laughs> I have a guy who works on commission. He gets 25% of whatever he sells. Yeah. So, yeah, he'll sell a yeah. dollar item. He'll That's sell a up to them. Man. They make that quarter. Well, actually, if it's dollar, you lose your uh, 15%. Yeah. eBay and whatever fees. But, but uh, he, yeah, it's, 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 uh, I, I, uh, I learned, uh, my memory is just, is just crap for what I have. So I always used to laugh at friends that carried around the lists, you know, the booklet. Yeah. What they have. And then I would, you know, just buy by the fourth copy. I'd be like, you know, I think I got that. Maybe I need to either not buy anything or write it down. I finally, during the pandemic, I went to that uh, app on your phone and uh, <laughs> use that now. And the worst part about it is, is that my own personal collection, I got so much of it in storage and it's pushed and there's stuff in front of it now that I'm going to have to go in and, and take a bunch of stuff out that I don't really want to deal with. So I've only got about a third of my collection in that. And I'm sitting there staring at it and I'm like, I know it says I don't have this book and I'm pretty sure it's in the boxes, yeah. but I'm going to go ahead and buy one so I can put it on the list. Yeah. And I, and I'm, I go through my collection of comics and I haven't looked through my collection in, in over 10 years. And uh, so I started to dig it up last year. And, uh, and so now I just, I keep, I keep going back through it and I'm trying to put it into short boxes and rebag, but also at the same time, trying to look at things and, and do the, uh, the, the hold it to your heart and, you know, does it, does it, does it create love or whatever the hell, you know, and, and just, and just really try to be honest and say, okay, all right, Dave, you, you like machine man. Uh, you love Kirby. Uh, we're not going to question that. You love you love Ditko, but do you really need Steve drawing Machine Man? I mean, you already got the trade paperback. Got the trade paperback. You don't do. Do you need Steve drawing Machine Man? You just kind of go, yeah, probably. But so what I did was over the years, I, I started to buy uh, spinner racks. Mm -hmm. I have three of them, and one of them is newer, which is dumb. It's newer '90s, so it has yeah. a '90s header, which I hate. But I put trade paperbacks on that that I haven't read. And it's full, which means I need to stop buying anything because I haven't read, I don't think, anything in 10 years. Um, the other two, I have an 80s one and a 70s one. And, and those are just, uh, I, I, I was buying quarter books and 50 cent dollar books to put on there. And sometimes I would just buy copies of what I already had because it was easier just to buy, spend a dollar instead of finding it in a long, which boxes? Justice League number one, you know, uh, 
And that's where I started getting into trouble with buying like copies of things way too many times. But the 70s spinner rack, you know, still has a little room in it. So you get some of these books and you're like, well, I could, I could get rid of them in a show, you know, they're worth, you know, another dollar, book, or just go put it on the spinner rack and, you know, it's, uh, and then, and then of course the thing that becomes funny with the spinner rack is then I start looking at books and go, oh, what's that worth now? Like, <laughs> oh, is that like a $20 book? Maybe, maybe I shouldn't be on the spinner rack because you don't put bagged and boarded books no. on the spinner rack. That's, no, because it- I, I, I'm that I'm morally against that. They have to look, you know, exactly like, uh, you know, walking into a little professor bookstore or whatever, you know. Otherwise, there's no fun in it. But uh, you'd be like, eh, you know, maybe the first appearance of Taskmaster shouldn't go on the spinner rack. You know, <laughs> if that that was a dollar, but you know, maybe it's maybe it should go in a bag and board now. Maybe that should be pressed and graded. Yeah. Oh. Every now and then I'll be like, today I was doing that. I was looking at, again, like Machine Man on the Brain, but I went down to look at the spinner rack and I had some 2001 uh, books. I had number one and some other ones, an extra copy of number one. And I was like, what's that worth now? I was like, oh, yeah, I should probably go off the spinner. <laughs> should probably sell that one. Well, I, I bought $15 or whatever. I bought some books a while back and uh, I got somebody's like full runs of um like early 80s um avengers spider-man stuff like that and i know i have a lot of that stuff already but i'm like eh. so <laughs> i put them through there and i'm like they're just my reader copies because some of them are beat up they've never been bagged or boarded no nothing and so i'm sitting there the other day and i was like you know i probably should go through here and see if there's any value here and um I got. I found the first uh, 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 Star Fox. The first Star Fox joins the Avengers. Um, I got those, Al Milg- those are the Al Milgram years. Yeah, I, I was reading them back then, and I was going through mine recently. Oh, Star- I had Al draw me. Uh, uh, I met Al, I think maybe I don't know ten years ago in Detroit, mm-hmm. and uh, and I, I had him draw me uh, Firestorm and Star and Star Fox. So I have a draw. In my Avengers collection, I finally got to that loser. God love him. <laughs> but yeah. Oh, yeah. And, and I tell you, the website, the uh, key issue, key issue collector.com or whatever is, is so there's a website that's just got key issues. And um, I realized that years ago, we had stopped at a, a store in South Southern Columbus. We were going to Portsmouth with Andy mm-hmm. and uh, somebody had sold a store run a Batman Adventures just straight from the shelf into a bag and boarded untouched. And they were all, you know, dollar, dollar books or something. I bought them for my kid because I had them, but mm-hmm. he was young and he's, I knew he'd trash them if we read them or if I yeah. gave him to trash them. So I'm like, before he trashes these, let's see if anything is worth any money. And then it was like, oh yeah, Harley. Huh. And the store just had, had goofed. You know, they just, and I thought, wow, you know, and I, I, I'm not a stand, but I thought, well, that's a, that's a pretty big goof to, uh, to, to miss. Yeah. Uh, you know, and it was gorgeous. And I sent it off to, and it, it, of course I, 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 I sold it way too early. Like I lost an easy 800 bucks or 500 bucks uh, by selling it, you know, years before I should have. And then uh, my own copy, I just sold to a friend of mine without slabbing or Greg was that whole, like, Money now, money later. Yep. 
eh, we'll go with the money now. But yeah. uh, oh, I love it. I I can do. I you know, I, I I would totally do another collection, but I do realize that uh, that that uh, everything that I would deal in as a as a dealer um, has to be for the most part '80s or or older. Um, because even then I'm still making mistakes and screwing up because I'm not you guys, you know, I don't do it full time. Well, the Uh, thing is, is that a book will be worthless on uh, Friday and Saturday, and then they'll announce something on Sunday, Monday. And by the time you go and open up the store, that book that you have in your dollar boxes is now a 30, $40 book all of a sudden. And, um, or, or, it, it's just bizarre with with going even going from Ohio to Detroit. Uh, there, you know, you you meet other dealers and something can sit around, and then another dealer from another city will be like, "Oh yeah, I I can't keep these on my shelves. Mm-hmm. I can sell these all day." And you're just like, "Well, they've been sitting around, you know, in in my boxes for you know uh, a, a couple of months at, at a bunch of shows. They're not flying off the, you know." flying up the, the the boxes here so you know if if because i started to just do half off sales on a lot of long box stuff just because i'm not i'm not in it for the long haul mm-hmm. i don't need to have things as uh, uh you know sitting around and people are like oh man you're selling it for seven i can sell it for 20 and you're just like good <laughs> great have at it Absolutely. you have fun well last show uh some guy got really excited he got a book off me and he's like you know got you got this under i'm like dude i've had that on the shelf for months now no one's bought it so the fact that you're buying it what i have it marked for made me happy yeah yeah okay you want to go make an extra fit you know whatever fine but i was like you were the only one to buy it so was it worth the amount that you're paying me or the amount that you think you're going to get later. Yeah, I had somebody at uh, I had somebody at Jim and Dan say, "Oh, you got to add turn that seventy to a 90. That book, so you you've underpriced it." And and I and I kind of ink, ink, ink and and I just laughed because it was like, "Dude, nobody's buying it for 70. So, mm-hmm. and and you could say, "Oh yeah, well you, you know if you just go print it online, you're like, yeah, you know, man, that you know that's a, that's a whole nother job. Mm-hmm. You know, I I have enough time to to be here today." You know, that's, that's how much time I'm investing. And, uh, you know, maybe at a later date, sure. You know, I, I would say, okay, but I don't, I, I know enough of you guys, uh, and, and your horror stories with eBay sales, mm-hmm. you know, um, with comics, you know, with paper goods, yep. because, because conveying condition of a, of a paper product through, uh, of photos on eBay is just, uh, is just a fool's errand. Oh yeah. Well, you yeah. get. I sold a nine uh, eight something's killing the children one. Shipped it. The guy got it. Then he complained and shipped it back because that's not a nine eight. Yeah. I'm like, it's a CGC nine eight. It's it's sealed. Well, yeah. I was like, but it's been CGC'd. You're like, dude, third party. This is the whole point of it. This is the point of CGC mm-hmm. is to not have this argument yep. of. You know, but you can tell how little I enjoy talking about my career. I much rather talk about your career and, uh, and your day job and everything. I really have no interest 
you know, which is why I love being at these shows with, with just long boxes of books. I, 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 it's so much fun. And, and I kind of find it hysterical when I look at uh, introverted uh, art de- or, or comic dealers who, who, you know, just kind of sit and, and can't make eye contact and they're a little off. And I just kind of be like, oh, I mean, I get it, but man, you know, you're missing out on half the fun, which is harassing people, <laughs> which is just bothering people, you know, as they, as they flip through stuff. Well, there is a whole, especially doing, doing the, the Jim and Dan shows. Um, Cause I like that small comic show feel. Mm-hmm. And it's you deal with a lot of the same people over and over, which is the unfortunate part of doing yes. small shows. Yeah. But you know, and you you'll give each other crap. You'll you'll you know you get other dealers that you've you you you've been set up next to for you know the last five six years. You got you know whatever, and you give you know you yeah. I and it's it's just this whole camaraderie of <coughs> being able to talk crap to each other. <laughs> It's fun, and I don't. Uh, yeah, I, I, uh, I, I don't do them. I, I, I only do them with uh, Jesse and Bill and, uh, and 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 my my friend Michael, who's a friend of Bill's and Jesse's as well. And because uh, I, I don't have any need to sit by myself. And you know, like, like I would be like, "What well, are you there? Okay, okay, I sit next to you." I really don't want to be sitting by myself. You mm-hmm. know, you know, it, it's 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 more. It's also a social thing.